Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Carnage Podcast. On this podcast, we talk about everyone's favorite, scariest symbiote in the entire Marvel Universe. But what good would a symbiote be without a great host? Or a podcast, I guess. Uh, Either way, my name is JJ Hodges, and with me today is my next victim, Nico Caruso. Nico, thank you so much for joining me today. Love that intro. Um, I'm happy to be (laughs) a victim, happy to be here. It's been a while since we did a show, so... uh... yeah. So even though we're talking about something and somebody pretty crazy, it somehow feels right because we're both a little bit crazy. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would say. Um, let, Nico, let me ask you, when were you first possessed by the alien symbiote? As if to say, when were you, uh, when did you become a Carnage fan? Yeah, I became a Carnage fan. Um, it was with the 90s series when I started watching that. Um, that was my introduction to Spider-Man. It's right around the time of the first Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi film, 2002, is when my Spider-Man explosion happened. And um, mm-hmm. to prepare me for the movie, my dad was uh, showing me the 90s animated series, giving me a lot of comic books to read. Mm-hmm. And um, I had the well, what's cool is we watch the Carnage episodes and then he actually, and I can't take them out at the moment, but he has the original first print of these three issues of Carnage, um, Amazing 361 to 363. So I had always seen those covers on the wall and on the shelf. Um, so then I finally was able to read them. We got them and um, I forget how I read them because I don't think he let me take those issues out. So there's a way we read them. Um, or, or maybe he let me take them out once to read them and then I had to do it because in in recent years I've gone to Marvel Unlimited because I'm not allowed to take them out, but I'm sure they're in some collected somewhere. Um, but I mean, it was really that, and it was Venom instantly became because the Venom episodes are in the first season. Venom instantly yeah. became what, what like my favorite thing about Spider-Man: the black costume, black suit, Spidey, Venom, all of it. If you know me, then you know that for a fact. That's one of my greatest loves. So mm-hmm. when I found out that there was a red one, a different one, Carnage, and he was actually scarier, um, it was it, it was really cool. So it was the '90s series mixed with the issues, and I believe my dad had the issue. He has the issues of Maximum Carnage as well. So um, he started reading those to me and then I started reading them a bit. It's heavy subject matter uh, because Carnage is scary. But like I always joke about in, in my household, there wasn't a lot of censorship, not in a bad way. My dad and mom were just like, you'll, you'll know that all this stuff is bad. I watched like The Godfather when I was like 10. I watched Scarface when I was like 11. One of the first Spider-Man comics I ever read was Craven's Last Hunt, which is one of the heaviest, most, you know, that's intense yeah spider-man <laughs> comics of all time so right. comics of carnage, all time <laughs> right and then carnage was was in that mix too so that's really when sure. i was a carnage fan and i've never looked back and i'm one of the few the few few defenders of uh venom let there be carnage because i was just happy to see those two mfers on screen fighting each other uh, i don't care about how ridiculous the movie was plot cheesiness, dialogue whatever um it was so cool to see those two and modern effects just 
battling it out. Um, I won't say much about that movie, other Wait, than to say, <laughs> than uh, than to say that uh, Woody Harrelson, I think, was perfectly cast. Um, I, I mean, I was blown away by that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. when they. Even at the end of the first movie with that ridiculous wig. Oh god, the terrible wig. Yeah. I, I was like, no, no, that's that's good casting. And I I'm not a fan of the movie, to be honest with you, but I did buy the the Funko Pops because I thought they both just look so effing cool, right? They're so great. Oh, and fantastic. I was like, I gotta get those pops because like and you know, I I don't care if the movie's bad, you know, I have Funko Bops of other bad movies, <laughs> you know, other bad. Yeah, I, you know, you bring up a good point. I've never like knocked merchandise for a bad movie. Yeah, like yeah. um, there's a lot of cool merch for movies that aren't that great. I mean, there was a lot of cool Suicide Squad stuff back in 2016 mm-hmm. uh, for David Ayer's one. So yeah, no. So I'm glad you got those pops because those pops are exceptional. The, and it 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 looked like it, if. Um, if I was allowed to make a movie about Carnage, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. Could, could I make him look better? Probably not. Like, <laughs> you know, Andy Serkis and his team. And again, Andy Serkis, who's a genius when it comes to uh, mocap and you know, no, CGI stuff. He did, and, he did a great job with that stuff. He yeah. looks, Carnage looks great in that movie. Absolutely. And that's what we can say. That's I, what we can agree on about. Uh, another thing we can agree on is that um, Shriek, um, Carnage's girlfriend is a stupid idea from Marvel because yeah. that's one of the symbiote's weaknesses. You I know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm hosting a Marvel podcast here, and I love Spider Man and everything about him, but that was a stupid decision. Yeah, I know that that yeah that that'd be oh, like no. that'd be like oh, Bruce suspect. Wayne's wife being part of the NRA or something. Yes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe more extreme on the current side, but whatever. Um, regardless, we are talking about um, uh, my train of thought. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number three sixty one through three sixty three. Um, hold on, my phone is trying to connect to the computer. All right, here we go. Uh, so, uh. Uh, released from February 1992 to April 1992, which is uh, wild, 30 years ago. And uh, Mark Bagley, who is the penciler, has not lost a step, in my opinion. No. Nope. And, okay, as always, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your names, but it was written by David Michelini. You know, people say it different ways. I think I say Michelini. People say Michelini, but I'm pretty sure it's Michelini. Okay. Is um, well, how we'll, it's pronounced, but we'll, it could be wrong. We'll go with Michelini. David Michelini, mm-hmm. great writer, uh, did a lot of Spider-Man stuff in the '90s. Yeah, uh, penciled by Mark Bagley, who's a classic Spider-Man artist. Inked by Randy Eberlin, colored by Bob Sharon and Renee Witterstater. And lettered by Rick Parker. And Rick Parker, I just gotta ask, has your editor ever come to you and said, Parker! Bar- <laughs> Where are those pixels of Spider-Man? <laughs> Somebody have, ha- had to happen. If not, it was the biggest missed opportunity of all time. 
So uh, the editor on on that series, at least, Danny Fingerroth, if he was not doing that, he was not doing his job, and I hope uh, he got fired. He um, fired immediately. <laughs> like he's silly goose. Um, but uh, but in all seriousness, so I had reached out to you because I wanted to do this uh, carnage celebration. I said, let's do maximum carnage. Mm-hmm. And you said, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. But we should also do yeah. the, the first appearance of Carnage, which, um, because I'm very, very smart and the host of the show, I did not think of. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, geez, that would be great. We should mm-hmm. do that. And I'm so glad you suggested it because I've read these issues a, a few times now. And, oh, my gosh, are they. Wow. Just They're- great. They're fun, man. It's why I and I wasn't trying to undermine you as the host or anything. No, 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 no. Maximum Carnage is is a really cool crossover. It is long. It does have its fans. It does have its haters. But I wink, wink. Am looking forward to talking about that. But I'm sure. like, we <laughs> cannot pass up these first three because these first three are are so so dope. And um, no one talks about them enough. I feel like no one talks about Carnage's first appearance enough because. At the time this came out, I wasn't alive and I didn't read these at the time they came out, but in doing, you know, rereads and knowing the history, this is at a pretty cool time in Spider-Man and Spider-Man comics because of, you know, what happens in issues two and three with another Spidey character that, you know, is brought into the main cast of the story here. Um, And it's, and it's cool. It's, it's simple at times, at least in this first issue, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun stuff, man. It, it what's great about it is that it it's quote unquote an origin for Carnage, but we we get to skip all of that, you know, yeah. go right in into forgive me for saying the Carnage of the story, right? Yeah, you know, it it opens with him killing a guy for no reason, and he literally says, "I'm not killing you for any reason other than I just want to kill you," mm-hmm. or or no, no, he says, "I can kill you." Yeah. And and that's really terrifying because, you know, as I say all the time on this show, my other show, Four Comic Junkies, there's an emotional reality to that that makes it effing scary, right? It it, it definitely it also dials it up because Venom at one point in this series, you know, just you know about fifty issues prior, about sixty issues prior. Mm-hmm. was introduced as one of Spidey's scariest villains. He just was. Right. And with what happens on the island and everything, he he that is which happens, you know, in in the 340s, so I'm forgetting the number. Um he, he was scary and my dad was telling me that like in that whole time from, you know, 300 till now, Venom was he was feared, he was scary. And then to make this character who's more scary, more directly unhinged blood bloodthirsty whatever almost like you know you definitely get at least the way he's drawn how bagley drew him you get joker vibes from cletus cassidy too sure, just how he looks sure. so they they really upped the ante and really gave spidey up to this point again his scariest most violent villain and to the point where you know he needs <laughs> he has no choice but to you know do something crazy at the end at the end of the issue which which i wish i could have We'll get there, but I wish I could have been alive and reading these at the time. Because at the end of this issue, when Peter says what he has to do, I mean, my mind would have been absolutely blown. Yeah, no, I I totally agree because I I thought the same thing reading it because it uh, 
you know, you, you get Peter's desperation at the end of the story. Like he mm -hmm. has to do something to, to stop this madman. And, and, and I think that they set it up well enough where, um, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen the show heroes? No, is Hayden Panettiere on there? Yes. I like her, but I haven't yeah. seen her. She's that, that's where I, I first crushed on her like super hard. Okay. And when I see super hard, I go like, there's me melting in front of you and <laughs> on camera. Um, but uh, one of the issues that that show went into as the seasons went on, they only lasted four seasons, but so it didn't take long, was the, the main villain, uh, Zachary Quinto's uh, Siler, was too powerful where i felt mm. like i i don't believe that the heroes can beat him because mm. he's too powerful what okay. i like about carnage is that he's very very powerful but i never felt like spider-man couldn't beat him you know what i mean yeah great point. so if he's an 11 if, if carnage is an 11 spider-man's at like a seven or eight yeah so he can find a way to beat him which other comics he can um, but it's, it's, it's the tricky thing with writing because you want your villain to be scary and menacing like Venom was. Mm -hmm. So how do you dial that up with, with Carnage? And Carnage is tricky because, you know, like you mentioned the Joker before, because you can just have him be this all-knowing, all-whatever presence that, you know, for example, like Scott Snyder was <laughs> did with his Joker stuff. And mm -hmm. I love Scott Snyder. He's amazing. And I love his Joker stuff. But some of it got to the point where it was like, I feel like this Joker is too powerful. You know what I mean? And Yeah, he, he cut off his own face and put it back on. Yeah. And so a <laughs> little while, but that did happen. A little the while there. <laughs> um, but, um, At least I'm pretty sure that was Snyder. Maybe that was Kapoor. Uh, no. No, was no. no, they, they, they still did. Snyder, right? No, they did together. Snyder and Capullo. Well, you're right. Yeah. Um, I, but, I just forget how he but, looked at a time of... Well, it was a wild time in Batman comics. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's uh, some of my mm -hmm. favorite stuff. I, yeah, I oh, it's like great. It. It's just intense. It, it, it really is. And I think it's very easy to, to make the villain so all-powerful, all-quote-unquote knowing or whatever, mm -hmm. that the hero has to work extra hard to beat him. Yeah. Which is what you want from fiction, right? You you want the you want the villain to be more powerful, so that when the hero beats him, it it feels that much more earned. But at the same time, it's it's so easy to make Carnage just like a god almost. Yeah, and, which they eventually actually do. <laughs> literally do. Um, yes. <laughs> which, which that happened pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, absolute carnage stuff, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which I did enjoy. I, I will I admit. Too. I, 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 excuse me. I will admit. Uh, Donnie Cates is a, he's, he's on Grant Morrison's level of thinking, right? You know, <laughs> just he's one of my favorites at the moment, especially yeah. that and his independent stuff uh, slaps too. Oh, I, I, Donnie I, Cates. That I haven't checked out yet, but I, I definitely should. Yeah. Um, I should check out more independent stuff. Uh, but then again, I host two podcasts. I have a kid. Um, I have a cat. I mean, I can't keep up. With yeah, that, I mean, so. like pretty important things, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, hey, uh, 
Baby mama, why don't you just take care of the kid for the week? Yeah, just take care of the kid. I got to do some reading. (laughs) Donnie's calling me to do some reading. (laughs) I'm sure he'll understand. Um, Anyway, in all seriousness, uh, you know, it's. But I think what this uh, these issues manage to do is make Carnage very powerful and very scary to the point where, of course, I know how it ends because these are 30 year old comics. Yeah. But I was still on the edge of my seat reading them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I realized, uh, you know, that I knew the story of, you know, Venom had an offspring and it was Carnage mm-hmm. and, you know, Peter couldn't beat him by himself. So we had to enlist Venom and uh, even the Fantastic Four show up at one point. Yeah, which is fine, right? Uh, I, I love that. But it's also, I, I had to kind of laugh and go, whoa, or, did I not realize all this happened at once? <laughs> you oh, know yeah. what I mean? It's uh-huh. it's it's a lot of story in three issues that modern storytellers, they almost need it in six issues. Mm-hmm. And to me, I just laugh and go, these three issues are so jam-packed full of great story. And, you know, like something as simple as, you know, in a previous story that you were you're kind of alluding to before, where... Peter has to trick Venom into thinking mm-hmm. he killed him so that Venom will stay on the island in peace and he won't come after him. And then he has to go back and say, you didn't actually kill me. I need your help. You had an offspring, blah, 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 blah. And I remember knowing that that was the story, but then reading it going, well, this adds an extra really cool wrinkle because then Venom's, you know, Eddie slash Venom is going to lose his mind and go, no, we kill you now. And it it just, it makes the story that much more layered and fun, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what, too, is they, the pacing is so good in these three. Like Mm -hmm. that moment that you're talking about happens and then they have their little spat, but then they figure it out, you know, which is fine. You know, I feel like today, and this is no knock to current comic writing but i feel like today they would be on the island for two issues mm-hmm. and it would be this drawn out thing where he he fights venom and he gets battle damaged and broken and bloody and then they team up and he's got to go back and change and like i just feel like they would spend a lot more time on it but you're right it adds so many more layers because not only does is is the crazy part that he needs venom and he needs venom as an ally here what you just said the last time they were together he had to trick him into thinking he was dead so there's a whole nother layer and i love the inclusion of fantastic four because they've always been tied to the symbiote thing with peter yeah his relationship with them is so close and with reed and um him being the one to really study it the first time so i i I, it was it's a cool fun issue because you get him and johnny are pals you know they've always been pals that's why i'm really excited for the mcu fantastic four because if they do this right spidey should be with them a lot and him and Mm -hmm. johnny should be really good friends um peter needs friends in the mcu you he's gotten on anymore so exactly uh, so yes. it's perfect um so but and daredevil they and daredevil yes yeah they gotta they gotta really do that hopefully they don't butcher that we'll see what happens um <laughs> but the other really thing too is it it, it also adds to the stakes because how he beat Venom is he had to trick him into thinking he was dead. Technically, he had to let Venom win in order to keep him on that island because he didn't really have a solution. And now he's so desperate to where he needs that force yeah. to fight Carnage with him. And um, he knows there's going to be consequences that come with it too. So even though, like you said, they're 30-year-old comics, we know 
obviously there's probably some positive result at the end of it. It's in how are they going to beat them and how are they going to get there is the really interesting part of this yeah. entire story. And and I love that uh, it, it 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 works because Venom is you know excuse me uh, very inherently a uh, you know not not a bad guy like at least Eddie mm-hmm. Brock isn't you know he he wants to be a good guy so when um, but he he just feels like Spider Man ruined his life which yeah. isn't untrue but it is it's also not true you know what i mean it's exactly. a weird like and that's another thing that's great about these uh these characters is the uh the nuance right you know mm-hmm. that there's a there's an emotion again an emotional reality to it right um and i like the fact that when he sees him he's like no no we killed you i'll, I'll kill you again you know and and i i, I had to liken it to it was a martha moment right yeah, you know, it was it was very much a why did you say that name moment where he, uh, you know, Spider Man had to go Eddie stop like there's innocent lives at danger in danger and and uh, <laughs> Venom's like innocence okay keep talking we're listening you know it just <laughs> I I couldn't help but read that and think why did you say that name <laughs> it's you bring up a good comparison there. Um, and as someone who defends that moment, I like this moment in the book too, because this is also cool because it's, um, once again, I wasn't around at the time, but knowing what I know historically is what's cool is aside from carnage being this crazy threat, aside from the coolness and the bonkersness of Spidey and Venom needing to team up for the first time to fight such a threat. This is also consistent with the time. And, you know, David Michelini, Michelini, how however you want to say it. it, this is around, you know, this is really the time when Venom started to become an anti-hero. It was that soon, yep. you know, and that's, I mean, I guess it wasn't that soon as a few years after Spider-Man 300, but like <laughs> it's, it, it's cool because some people don't like what Venom I think has become now, you know, in 2022, we just had an entire run from Donny Cage, which I thought was fantastic. That really makes him the hero of the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I like it cause I like Eddie Brock and I like Venom and I think it's cool that he has a son and everything. Spoiler alert. Um, there was a lot I really liked about that run. Just it being pretty much the whole thing was a father son story through and through, which I thought was great, you know, let these characters progress. So it was cool as a kid to read and as an adult to read, it's cool to see Spidey and Venom, Venom team up for the first time, but it's also cool to see that it really was this story and around this time and the, and the lethal protector stuff as well, which is, you know, iconic where Venom really started to change into that anti-hero. And there's been stories, of course, we still bad and whatever, but it's pretty much he's no longer at this point in my eyes, a villain. I mean, if there's, if there's limited series that come out, if there's video games that come out that like are the origin of him, yes, there's ways to tell stories where he's still a villain, but, the character of Venom and Eddie Rock in Marvel Comics right now, Prime at least, is is an anti-hero, and I'm cool with it. But it really birthed from this. I I you know I really agree with you because uh, that was part of my issue with the the Venom movies is that taking the, the Spider-Man out of it, yeah, I think was a it didn't work. You know, and, yeah, Sony's gonna Sony. 
And, you know, and you know, you made I, a shit ton of money though, so it's hard to say they did it wrong. But you know, I <laughs> I can't deny that. <laughs> you know, so uh, I I thought about that a lot, where it's like they were doing something right, but I think the the name carries a lot of weight, right? You know, the the Venom name, and uh, and I think his look in the movies is so great because I I thought about when I was reading rereading these, I thought about the movies because you know they're like. The police are trying to talk to, you know, the eyewitnesses, and they're like, well, describe what happened. It's like, I don't know, his, his skin was living, and it's such a disgusting description, yeah. but it's it's like, I, I get that vibe from the movies, so I think they did that well, and I, and I really, I loved that, and I loved um, Peter's reaction. Immediately, he thinks, well, it's Venom. Venom's back, and he's going to kill her. Yeah, that's the cool part, right? And yeah, yeah, and and then seeing uh, that it's carnage and Peter is no match for it, I think is that that's the kind of stuff you want from fiction, right? You know, you want your hero to struggle. You know, we we don't like seeing Peter and Mary Jane fight, and you know they gotta work out their marriage in some way, shape, or form. But that's yeah. that's drama. That's what we go to the movies for. That's what yeah. we read comics for. You know, mm-hmm. and but I also love that. You know, it's interesting where uh, there's a good line at the beginning uh, when Peter's at Aunt May's house, and it felt like an episode of the animated series. Mm. You know, where you know, and obviously the, the comics preceded that, but uh, but I love that he's like, she's like, oh Peter, thanks for fixing my water heater, and he's like, oh no problem, Aunt May, blah blah blah, and then the phone's ringing and. She's like, oh, the phone's ringing. He's like, well, if it's Donald Trump again. And I was like, oh, God, we're mentioning two monsters in this. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> right. Crazy timing. Uh, I, you know, that that made me laugh. But, um, it, you know, I I like that Peter had his moments where he's like, I, I want to help Aunt May. You know, I, I want to be here more. And then she's like, oh, something happened at the lab. And, you know, and then he kind of lies about it as peter does you know like a jerk and (laughs) he goes into action and then he's like well this isn't venom this is something else yeah and when he first fights carnage you know in the uh burned down uh you know (laughs) i was about to say orphanarium which is what it's called in futurama (laughs) in the orphanage uh (laughs) um We'll say orphanarium. <laughs> keep that from future. I drama. love it, orphanarium. Let's keep. <laughs> um, but uh, and it's just Cletus kind of talking to like like a little teddy bear. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just uh, weird. And then he's like, "Oh, there's someone here." You know, awesome. They, they, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, they will experience carnage." And it's I'm reading it and legitimately terrified, like. Oh my gosh, this is a horror movie in front of me. They build it up so nicely. And that's actually my favorite shot of the book. My favorite panel is when he yells carnage and you get that first really full shot of him in beautiful Bagley art there. Hashtag beautiful Bagley. Um, Um, because you, you're right. It's so It's set up just seeing him naked with the teddy bear and the fire. I mean, it's built so well. And then they have a pretty, insane battle and what's cool is that the way carnage which this didn't you you know venom can't do this at least you know in the at this point they didn't 
let Venom do this, mm-hmm. that Carnage can actually mold his skin into weapons and stuff. Yeah. And that's what made him even more formidable is how just more violent that symbiote was. And um, so what a way to build just from the writing and the art, because, you know, the art can tell a story in and of itself. Right. The way they build them up and that their first fight to really raise those stakes and that terror is insane. The only the only cheesy thing is the carnage rules. I laugh at <laughs> every time I reread. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not that scary because you're corny. <laughs> you're it's, not that scary because you're corny. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but then there's you know cool too. I just want to touch. Is there's also the, the cool subplot, you know, like you said with Peter and MJ, but there's the cool little nuance of the fact that she quit smoking, but now she might be smoking again. And yeah, yeah. Peter's yeah. mad at it for a sec, but then he can't even focus on it, um, which which shows you it's and then it mirrors at the beginning with MA too. Like he just wants to be Peter. And um, I too like too at this point, you know, MJ is still so terrified of Venom that oh, yeah. he knows his choice of teaming up with Venom is gonna be another added weight and burden to his relationship as well. So the stakes are everywhere. Their stakes are there physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, a lot yeah. in this first one. Table it, set. A uh, a good moment for them as as a couple, I think, is when you know he says, you know, I only have one something towards the end of the first issue where he says, I've only one course of action, and she knows exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. She's like, No, no, you can't do that. He's like, I have to. I have to recruit Venom, and it's it's the way it's done is. I, I don't even want to say cheesy because I'd only say that because I've seen it so many times. Sure. Since then in fiction. But it, it it's a it's a really good representation of them as a couple that he looks at her and he's like, I have one option here and she's like, No, you can't do that. <laughs> um and you know, he's like, you know, kind of the puffed out chest, I have to recruit Venom, right? You know, but I uh, I mean I'm exaggerating of course, but um barely though uh, <laughs> but it's it makes a lot of sense because peter knows that he's no match because he's already taken him on and barely escaped mm-hmm. and it, it's such a good line i uh when i was rereading i loved it when the, the one he's fighting carnage and then you know gets his ass kicked and then the the police officer comes in and says spider-man are you okay and he goes no yeah. yeah, just it just you know that that felt real to me. And then he's like, "I'm doing a lot better than Carnage is going to be," you know. And it just felt like a Christopher Daniel Barnes line from the mm-hmm. animated series, right? Like he's like, "Oh, I'm going to get that guy," you know, just whatever he says. And I was like, "Oh yeah, he's he's going to kick some ass." Oh, he's um, but but I loved the just just such a simple exchange. Like, "You okay, Spider Man?" No. no. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's in and because it's it i'm reading it and it's so kinetic the way it's going and yeah you know comic books love nowadays that yeah what's that i love that word that you just use kinetic <laughs> uh but you know it's like comic books nowadays they, they try so hard to always be that way and yeah and back then stories weren't afraid to breathe a little bit more mm-hmm but so this one having that moment to, you know, give Peter a, mim- a, a you know a second to talk to the police officer, and and feel like I'm either watching a movie or you know an animated series or whatever. Anyway, we talked a little bit before we were recording about the animated series, uh, 
the way they adapted Carnage. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and it's like, it's interesting that Carnage was not that old when they adapted him to the show, and they, oh, yeah, they yeah, were hits, man. They were they, hits. They were they were brand new characters, and they had to find a way to put them in a children's show as best yeah. they could. And I think they did okay. Um, you know, it's funny thinking about like Batman, the animated series that Bane was the same way and they wanted to put him in the show. Um, but you know, the difference was that with Batman, the animated series, they were like, well, we're going to have him try and break Batman's back. (laughs) He does. He almost does the iconic, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. lifting him up and breaking him over his back. Whereas Carnage doesn't necessarily have an iconic, move like that but mm-hmm. his look is iconic oh and, yeah and i thought that they really captured that in the show you know he, you know he peels his you know symbiote face back to show peter and he's like oh my god it's cassidy and he has the symbiote you know what am i gonna do and it's just that was sort of the equivalent in a way where it's like oh my gosh like spider-man's in big trouble you know <laughs> like this is the most powerful thing on earth at least what we've seen at this point with the Spider-Man show. Like, how's he going to beat this? And, you know, and and that was really directed or uh, adapted directly from the comic books, right? You Mm -hmm. know, just this feeling that you can't beat him on your own, Spider-Man. And and that's sort of scary and real in a way, isn't it? You know, like sometimes there's bad guys you can't beat. You have to enlist the help of your friends or at least people that you know, right? With Venom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That there's nothing one thing I love in, in any sort of media or fiction is when, you know, the hero needs to team up with a villain. And because there's just something so cool about it. Just just to remove yourself from like the story and everything and just cool. And um, you're right. It is. You never want to make a villain too powerful because then it feels like, you know, how are they going to beat him? But they did just, they did such a good job at building carnage in here that it's believable. And it is believable that Venom is the one who's going to help one because they're related, you know, Right, right. and he's him. So let's fight fire with fire. But also it also just led to such a fun dynamic, like in issues two and three, just their dynamic together. Mm-hmm. and venom was a little more i had to say comical but he was a little bit lighter yeah, yeah but yeah. still had his moments of being you know terrifying when you know they swing down and he's like i know someone saw it someone has to see it or when he was ready yeah. to he was ready to kill the police officer because it meant getting to carnage and spidey had to stop him there right and even you know the fantastic four is like are you sure about this you know so mm-hmm. it, it, they did also a good job of still making you be a little like okay well venom is still still could be a massive wild card here and um but like there's such an iconic these three issues are so iconic in spider-man like comic books like we have literally the shot of my favorite shot of the series of all three is when him and spidey are swinging and spidey's doing an inner monologue and Venom's just singing Strangers in the Night by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yep, Which, you yep. know, I, I come from a Frank Sinatra house. I'm not sure if you know this. Our I, dad, I figured our as much. Our <laughs> family, you know, loves, my whole family worships him and even knew him at one point 
that story for another day but so just to hear venom and i'm imagining like the animated series voice going strangers in the night (laughs) glances love at first sight i'm like oh beautiful (laughs) it's uh it's it's funny because it it it, it doesn't feel out of character right you know it doesn't no and and uh hot take i kind of prefer venom with the big teeth over the big teeth and the tongue. I'm like, with you. Dude, I love you. Who did I just talk about this with? Um, I love... Oh, when I did uh, Spider-Man 300 on the Spider-Man console a few weeks ago. Okay. Him without the tongue is so cool. Yeah. Something yeah. more menacing about it. The tongue... I know the tongue has become iconic and it works, but without yeah. the tongue, man, he, he's cool. He's really cool without the time. I'm glad you agree because that that is a hot. I feel like it's a hot take because he he has had the tongue for so long now, and it's become such like a a character in and of itself, especially right. in the animated series and the comic books now in the movies now. So, but no, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, him without the tongue is so cool, and it's, I would argue is I prefer. You know, it's a. Uh... In the animated series, uh, who plays Venom is Hank Azaria, who is, you know, a legend when you mm-hmm. talk about animated movies. You know, you could an animated series. I mean, Simpsons is one thing, but yeah, have you ever seen a cartoon? Hank Azaria was probably in it, oh. which is which may not say you know much, but <laughs> um, I was watching uh, Anastasia with my daughter the other day, and you know, he's uh, Bartok in that. Oh, is he? Oh, that's yeah. wild. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. I and, that. And yeah, it's you know they, that character re- requires some level of um, nuance. Where again, it's him. He's he's not a bad guy. He in his mind, he's the good guy, and Spider Man is the villain. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting. And and that's... I love. And it's like, and don't get me wrong, okay? You know, if you listen to the other show, Four Comic Junkies. I will defend all day, every day, Batman v Superman and the Martha moment. I love you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a great moment, but in this comic book, I almost think it works a little bit better, only because we've had more buildup to Spider-Man and Venom's relationship than we did in Superman and Batman's relationship in that movie. Well said. Uh, because so when, you know, they're fighting each other and and then he finally goes, you know, Brock, stop, you know, there's, there's innocent lives at stake and he, and he goes, oh, okay, innocent lives, Mm -hmm. I'm listening, let's go, you know, we're listening, whatever, you know, uh, and it's, it, it makes sense because we're, we're invested in these characters in this fight and it doesn't feel like. Oh, here we go. They had to have an issue where Spider-Man and Venom fight, blah, blah, blah. It feels organic to the story, especially with Johnny Storm being there and Johnny Storm getting overpowered. Yeah. And and, and that that worked for me as, as a fan because I thought, I believe that Venom could do that. Even for a second, he could do that. And not because it's Spider-Man's book and the Spider-Man character has to overpower the other character, but because it... it genuinely makes sense and that's what uh, david you know you know michelini or michelini you know however you want to pronounce it you know d- did really well with the writing was you know it, it can't just be that venom is so powerful that he beats everybody 
Mm-hmm. It has to be that they he could do it, and it's believable to the point where Johnny gets his bearings and then has the fantastic car, you know, shoot the sonic waves at him. Yes, and it and that's what made me clap a little bit, right? You know, where I was like, okay, good. You know, Johnny's not useless here. He he has a purpose in the story, Amen. and even for just that moment, and then you know, Eddie could calm down long enough to go, okay, let's let's talk about this. You know, the the other thing about this issue, that I yeah, and this is why I love comic books, right? You know, we don't have to live in the real world. We don't have to deal with real science, right? We don't have to do any of that. But the something that worked for me was. Uh, then I'm saying, oh yeah, my my other did produce an offspring, didn't tell me about it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm on board. And then it's like, because it was born on Earth, it has different powers. That's why it can do this, that, and the other thing. And I was... I'm, 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 I'm there for it. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, gobbledygook science, I don't give a shit. Like, we're here with, you know, Venom being, you know, I apologize. I'm swearing much more than I usually do. No, you're you good. But, uh, but, you know, it's like, I, I I can believe it. Because it, in the context of these alien creatures, if they're sticking to it, which they did, it makes sense. And it's fine. Honestly, and I'm yep. on board. You know what I mean? it's so just because I can't say it any better. It's just, it's so simple. It, it just works. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that I, I always applaud uh, Dan Slott for on his Spider-Man run, because he was very much in the Stan Lee department of science thinking, where it's just like gobbledygook, whatever I can do. Go this, with it. Yeah. This, that, whatever. As long as there's an emotional reality, the audience will buy it. Yeah. And I've, always been on board with that kind of stuff it's like i you know if if you tell me that the the sun is blue on this earth because of radiation or you know gamma bombs or whatever okay fine i'm i'm with you you know you you explained it as as long as as stories as long as the story is good too and it and it makes sense like yeah you we could argue the actual technicalities of science or, or whatever but we see he's stronger and that he can do more than venom. Yeah. You're wondering why they tell you why it makes sense to an extent. We've seen a simia before. Let's go with it. It's why like not to get into this, but it, it's, it's funny. I was just having a, a conversation with a bunch of people who uh, don't still like rip the first um, who ripped the first third of the story of no way home and i mean you you might be one of those people that's totally fine but i'm always like i don't know like why are we so mad about everything that happens at the beginning i mean it all makes sense his identity's out people know who he is it is taking a toll on him he has a friend named dr strange who can fix it with magic then the spell goes haywire and oh okay Uh, no no i'm not one of those people i'm 100 percent on board with all of that because yeah, my, right. It, what sells it to me is that my favorite bit of that when they're floating goes. Basically, everyone who knew I was Spider Man should know I'm Spider Man. Feels like a Spider Man moment to me. It feels like Spider Man moment. It feels like comic book. Also, like they say the, the spell crosses known and unknown reality. So, like it's all there. I mean, so yeah. that's why I'm like when people when 
people start critiquing certain things like you said with science and stuff like but nobody talks about how confusing the end game time travel thing i don't want to get into it but like so but but i love what you just brought up is that mindset especially in comic books let's take movies let's take television out of it let's talk about comic books create a story i care about have it be good if you want to throw in some science stuff and explanation that's a few panels boom go with it as long as it works here it works you know it it's in my opinion it doesn't need to be real it just needs to be believable and that's yeah. like the, the, the best yeah. thing that that filmmakers do and uh you know well not just filmmakers but great writers do it's like it, it just so them saying oh he was born on earth and he has different powers than i do it, it doesn't feel like a cheat to me it feels like no. okay like sure but why not it, you know, and anybody that disagrees, I think, just doesn't have enough of of imagination to go along with. It. I agree. I you agree know? with you, man. It's like it's it's fine, you know. And plus, it makes for a compelling story because it'd be one thing if like Carnage was a twenty and Spider Man was an eight, you know, yeah. eight or nine, right? But Carnage is like let's say eleven, right? You know, you got dialed up there. Um, Michael McKean, if you're listening, <laughs> um, but but seriously, it's like he gets dialed up to eleven, but Spider-Man's still at like a six or seven, so he has to work harder to beat him. Mm-hmm. That's far more interesting. And far was, more interesting. And that was the issue I had with Heroes going forward. And that's the issue I have a lot with, uh, you know, a lot a lot of, especially the the way that um, comic books get adapted, especially the TV. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. it's like, okay, the the stuff is right there in front of you. And if you're really reading it, you can understand that. And if I had one complaint, I have many, about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, my biggest complaint is that they only encounter each other once. That, yeah. that, that was the issue I had with that story. But then again, yeah. that was the story they told and whatever, so I can live with it. Um but to me, it's like, yeah, but if you're going to do this, I mean, do it right, you know? And, yeah. And I think that... I'll give you that. That's fair. You know, David, you know, Michelini gave gave this a, a really interesting uh, story where, like, Peter and Johnny have to fight Venom, and then they have to try and convince him to come home. And not only that, but what's great about it is that it, it totally, 100,000% fits with spider-man's creed and he says it multiple times where he says like venom's with me whatever happens because of him i take responsibility for it which is so on brand for the character and uh you know one of my favorite bits was at the end of the story when uh, you know, J. Jonah Jameson is, uh, as he does, complaining about Spider-Man, blah, blah, blah. And our Spider-Man's a menace! And all that shit. Uh, and then he's like, and he's the, you know, he's like, Captain America would keep his word. And Peter says, or Spider-Man says, hey, Captain America's a legend. I'm just a man. And a man has to live with these decisions. And it just hits all the right notes. Where it's like, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. That's Peter Parker. And it, it it just works because we're so invested in the story that you can say whatever you want. Oh, Sonic, you know, Blast will stop the symbiote. Is it silly? Sure. 
does it work? Yes, because mm-hmm. we're so into the story at that point that we can believe that Peter would use his brains to outsmart the villain. And again, you know, Spider-Man's a six and Venom's, or, or excuse me, Carnage is an 11. That's how he's going to beat him because he's smarter and faster and ultimately the hero, right? Absolutely. Also, fantastic choice as always to put J. Jonah Jameson in the middle of it somehow. <laughs> yes, yes. Spider-Man <laughs> having to save his ass again. But also what I like that the story has too is it, like you just said at the end, has consequences. It comes full circle. In beating Carnage, he beats Venom. Yeah. He has to it, beat Venom in a way too. And then now there's consequences with that between them. So he knew the risk he was taking and he also knew the stakes and he didn't necessarily want it to happen that way, but it had to because even he says like, I'm sorry, Eddie, I have to keep the thing on. Like I have to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which allows for Eddie to be, you know, taken as well. So it's, it's, it's good stuff because I feel like convenience happens a lot more today in comic books like that story ends and venom gets to run free and everyone's complaining well no venom gets to run free why did why is no one mad that venom's out there now but it's like no the story ends and in taking down carnage he venom had to be quote-unquote taken down as well not by direct choice by peter but it's it it was you know he was he was had to be there for it to happen and the way he beat carnage is how you also beat venom so it's cool to see that way too. And then it's cool to see the fantastic four and everyone else come back at the end too. So it's just another cool, a lot of the supporting cast of Spidey is in here, which is great. Like I said, especially with J Jonah Jameson being um, in peril at the end. It's, it's yeah. just, it, you're right. It hits all the right notes, does all the right things. And it ends with a quintessential Peter Parker moment. You know, a man has to live with his choices and um it's it's just it's why this period of spider-man comics 2 is so special like the 90s for spider-man at least at this moment in time oh so 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 special what's what's great about it is uh i i i love those uh jameson moments where he gets uh put in his place right you know where he's such a blowhard and such an asshole and then you know he has to be rescued by spider-man you know somebody who he hates Mm -hmm. the most you know, seemingly for no reason. I mean, the comics have given us multiple different reasons I've why tried, he doesn't like yeah. it. Yeah, and and it's all whatever. It's fine. Um, but but I love the fact that it's it's so funny because it's so fictionalized that if this was a TV show, you know, Jameson, let's just say it's J.K. Simmons, it would be like, you know, so and so, so and so, and J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, yeah. right, in the opening credits. So. Well, we can't kill him, so we gotta bring him to a place where he yeah, can where be we're killed. Scared. Yeah, and it, you know, but I think it still works, especially when you know Robbie, you know, is confronted by you know um, Paul Levitz, apparently. <laughs> um, for all those uh, DC fans out there, that was definitely a nod to him. Uh, you know, he uh, he says, you know, should we write, you know, Jonah's uh, Jonah's obituary and. Robbie says, you know, the protocol. Yeah. And it, it, it feels not out of character with Robbie because Robbie's such a compassionate, empathetic human being, but he would say that because Jonah would say that if the yeah. roles were reversed. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and I love that little bit there. And, but it's also, you know, Carnage shows up at this punk show and, you know, I, 
I have been to a few concerts in my life, and let me just tell you that I 100% believe that some lunatic... Oh, yeah. If, they, if they saw Carnage going, I'm going to kill this guy, who's with me? Some lunatic would go, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, as pretty, opposed to... Pretty. The, when the, you think about the grunge era in the 90s, too, I bet this really hit hard for people at the time. I bet it was kind of yeah. scary. Yeah, I'm because... Sure. Yeah, so yeah, so, so some cleverness in the in the editor's room there, um, and in the writing room for the story. But yeah, but also a cool, cool little set piece to yeah. take him down at a punk grunge concert with a bunch of mosh pits and metalheads. You know, it's pretty interesting. It it, it totally, <laughs> and again, it, it it doesn't. It's it's a little bit of a contrivance, but it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like a contrivance. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like, oh well, you know, they, that's how they had to beat him at the end. It's it's enough of an ending to go, okay, sure, because it then it goes into the subway and then it goes a little bit further than that. And and I love seeing Carnage just mess not just with Spider Man but with Venom, right? You know, where he's like, I'm going to kill these innocent people, and that's that's what gets Venom upset. Mm-hmm. And you know where he's gonna kill this cop because the cop's in his way, and Spider-Man's like, no, 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 like we gotta focus on Carnage, and and I like that, even though, you know, Venom hates Spider-Man, he's still willing to listen long enough to go, okay, fine, because yeah. I, you know, there, there's a greater evil out there, and you know, it, it just works because it's such, I mean, first and foremost, a very interesting, fascinating story. But also, it just, there again, as I'll say a thousand times throughout this show, my other show, and in my daily life, probably, uh, you know, there, there's an emotional reality to it where you believe that Venom is that sick and twisted, that Spider-Man's the bad guy, but, okay, he's right, I'm going to stop, I'm going to go after the real bad guy right yeah. now. You know what I mean? It's, um... You you just summed it up so perfectly there, and it it's it's cool to to just touch on the punk show one more time. It's it also shows the arrogance of Carnage, right? He goes to a place where he knows he's going to have his audience, oh yeah, yeah, and his supporters, but doesn't think twice to realize that there's a massive sound system there and everything like that. But you're right about the whole Venom thing, and 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 what's what i've been thinking about the whole show that you're that i want to add to is the beautiful like if spidey's at like a seven and carnage is like an 11 well venom's like a nine or a ten right yeah so it's so yeah. then you you bring in that person and then when they're combined but it also once again it keeps adding the stakes but you're right it's it's such nice storytelling because no one gets compromised i feel like when a big critique of characters being used in crossovers whether it be comic fiction film tv etc people are like oh well they didn't write these characters the right way or you know that's not how that character would be oh he's too comical or he's too whatever venom and his motivations are very in line with venom now it is the mm-hmm. same it was the same writer using these characters so right. he knows, right but i'm saying sometimes you can compromise a character to tell your story to get the plot points going right i mean it happens all the time right. but i like how everyone stays so consistent and like you said, and and the power levels and everything went together. It's just it it worked so well, and we even have like Venom stopping to save a baby, right? Yep. Which was yep. cool, and that gave more 
it also the story also develops Brock and Venom in 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 subtle ways too, which is really cool. Um, I don't. I mean, Cletus and Carnage is a little one note, but it's okay because that's what the character is supposed to do. He was supposed right. to be a threat and an unbeatable threat first and foremost, and this newer, scarier version of Venom. So. I could argue that's all there. I mean, they do give a little bit of Cletus in the first issue. And as it goes on, they talk more about Cassidy, but the beauty of it is it really is more of a Spidey venom story than a, than a pure carnage story. And that's the brilliance of it too. Um, But it also is so iconic because it introduces who eventually becomes one of his most formidable, formidable villains for years. And you're right. How big venom and carnage are it's crazy and also cool to think about like that first movie showed you like how big venom is he had his own book forever but venom is that big and now you see why i mean i don't want to give credit for this but you see why for spider-man 3 they're like you have to use venom right every single person wants them and we did we would all be lying if we said we didn't I was saying, Dad, I hope they do Venom. He's like, Oh, they are, son. Don't worry. Like, because <laughs> so when Sony had the chance to do them again, and then for the sequel, you do Carnage, and even in pandemic times, the cross five hundred million when that movie came out. I mean, that's impressive that it did that. If it was normal times, it would have made probably as much as the first one, if not more. It didn't even matter the reviews at that point because people were right. going to see Venom. People were getting in the door. So it's it's it is amazing to see that like these issues. Venom was already around, but these issues like brought together because Venom and Carnage also forget Spider-Man in comics and everything. I mean, Venom and Carnage became interlocked forever and they are interlocked. I mean, in all their big stories, they're both there, you know? So it's cool to see like, this was the inception of it all, which became, you know, the, the symbiotes, uh, kept running and really never looked back after this point. I mean, Venom wasn't just lightning in the bottle. He progressed to this and, you know, the rest was history. And and that says a lot about the really fascinating aspects of the character because having, you know, and I, I've thought this for a long time that I, I feel the biggest sin of Spider-Man 3 was making Venom a third act villain when he should have had yeah, his own movie. I agree with you. Because I agree. My, my, my big thing with that is that here's a chance for our, our hero to literally face his demons. Yeah. And that's, that's something fiction is made of. Right. So, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people like to give a lot of crap to Topher Grace. I say I'm, I was on board. Because he does a good job. He, yeah, he's fine. He was very much the the ultimate version of the character, uh, which I love. If yeah. you listen to the show in the past, you know Josh Lagurin mm-hmm. talked about Josh Lagurin and I talked about it, and uh, you know I, it's one of my favorite versions of the character, and I think that they could have given him his own movie if they those three episodes of the. Uh, the animated series, the '90s animated series. Oh, it's so good. They, if they had found a way to make that, you know, a two-hour movie. I mean, which is funny because they use a lot of it in Spider-Man they, they, Three. They do, which yeah. is when when you look at some of the the '90s cartoon, like you see how much parts of it were such a blueprint for 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 Sam stuff in film. Yeah. 
for yeah. primarily Spider-Man three. I mean, there is there is yeah. that mini show all over Spider-Man three, all with also some clever yeah you know, uh, comic book stuff that happens later on with sure, Harry, sure. um that happens you know um in the spectacular run, um but yeah there's 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 that 90s series has a massive footprint on a lot of Spider-Man stuff, a yeah, lot it, of Spider-Man stuff. It, it really does much in the same way that the, you know, uh, Batman, the animated series did for Batman and, Amen. Yep. and, and X-Men, the animated series, because I mean, X, X-Men more than the other two was not afraid to directly, you know, animate the, the, the comic books. At the sure. Um, but still, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, think about, you know, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. One of my favorite bits is when, you know, Professor X comes up and says, we should tell him this truth. And then it's like, yeah. I, in the movie theater, just that couple of notes in the, you know, in the score, I went, oh, my God, it's X-Men, you know. <laughs> don't you feel, I mean, I know this is a whole nother podcast that we'll do, a whole nother con- whole nother conversation we'll have one day don't you feel like that like cameo like wasn't respected enough i feel like it like was a big deal and then it like quickly wasn't like for us it was but i feel like people weren't like not that it was going to be toby and andrew level because nothing in my opinion nothing will be barring some people coming back to the mcu i'll say can have the same effect but i also feel like Maybe it's because of what happens to said character uh, or his role. But I was like, when I saw it the first time, I remember like the theater was way louder for Johnny Boy. <laughs> and it was for uh, Professor X. I'm like, this is freaking Patrick Stewart with the freaking chair and the freaking 90s theme people. Let's I, go. I, I don't disagree because when, when Johnny Boy showed up, uh, I was sitting next to Jesse and Jesse literally jumped out of his seat and said, yes, that's great casting. I love that. And sat back down. And I was like, all right, we're good. All right. Um, yeah. But all right. uh, settle down there, Johnny. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't disagree, but I also wasn't that enthusiastic. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I would have to say it, it, it was what it was, you know, that yeah. it uh, seeing Patrick Stewart look like the x-men 92 version yeah was was cool enough that i i was fine with it so so i get what you're saying and i don't disagree but i was but i i I wasn't sitting there going i wish i had more you know what i mean yeah no fair i just thought it was incredible that we had a scene of you know there was a professor x there's a reed richard there's a doctor strange but there was also a patrick stewart you know giving doctor strange the encouragement and the support and it's pulling a line from days of future past i like i feel like people didn't talk about that enough it's like no I, well, I i i do agree with that that people should be talking about it more but nobody's talking about it. It, it you know it it, it's enough for me and yeah, my, was still my, my my peers and contemporaries like you. I saw that movie four times. It was well enough for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I've I've said much about Doctor Strange, where I think it surprises people that Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is actually one of my favorite MCU movies. And this is why I love you. We will talk about it one day because it is one of the best MCU movies. No cap. Put the crosshairs on my face. It is. Yeah. It's one of my favorite MCU films. I freaking love that movie unapologetically. Um, I, on this tangent, 
real quick one more time before we get back to Carnage is uh, what what it did well was that it didn't stray away from the Doctor Strange story. Not at all. It was his story. So even though we had these great cameos and this this really cool story there, it was still Steven's story. Um, And one of the better direct sequels to the first one. So many of the MCU sequels start, you know, dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff. It's such a good direct sequel. And and Rachel McAdams got to actually do some shit in this one. <laughs> and she's really good. She's one of the best parts of the movie. She she really is. And it almost makes me mad that that's all we'll get her as in I the know. MCU, right? Uh I mean it's it but you know, we, we get a cool tease with um Shirley's Theron at the end. Oh, yeah. And yeah. but which I had to laugh at uh have you watched The Boys? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. See, so season three, you know, episode one, when she, she was in that bit, I I just laughed my That's ass funny. off. Going, Shirley Theron is the one going like, "Hi, I'm the secret comic book character that's gonna like, you know, blow the audience's mind." And I just laughed my ass off watching that scene. Oh, I'm so the good. cameo. Oh, it's classic. Oh, so good, so good. Um, but anyway, back to Carnage. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting with this character because the character really can be very one note and can be very like, you know, same with the Joker, I guess, with, uh, mm-hmm. with Batman, you know, like what, what can you do with this character? And it takes a really skilled writer. I mean, this being his origin, it, it, it almost doesn't matter because it's his origin and we didn't know him before then. So it's fine. True. But going forward it's it's tough because you don't want the character to be just this one note psychotic whatever and that that's interesting but how interesting is it over the course of you know we're talking 30 years later right yeah um it's tough because i i love the character i really do it's why you know i wanted to dedicate part of the podcast to this um but you know it's 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 like a character that you just need in smaller doses. You just need something to give the audience a sense of security, and then suddenly there's there's a monster under the bed. You know what I mean? I think that's a good way to put it. It's um, and you bring a good point too that I want to expand upon. It's like not every. You also it does take a skilled writer. And I'll also say it, you don't always need like it's it's fine sometimes when the villain or the threat is one note because all the Joker has to be is the Joker and all Carnage has to be is Carnage. Yes, there are stories that give them little developments and more nuance and makes them more interesting. As long as you can create a situation or a story where their presence is felt and it gives it stakes. Carnage is bloodthirsty and that's all it is. And that's all it has to be, you know, and everything else about him and what the characters have to do when he's around is the beauty of the character. Same thing for the Joker, the Joker always being the ultimate, you know, antithesis of Batman makes Batman and the story more interesting because of the things he has to do to beat him. So it's fine if the, threat remains the way it is but yeah you're right you 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 just need enough to make you feel uncomfortable and then the story is effective and that's at the end of the day all you want a story to be is effective to invoke something and normally when carnage pops up normally i'll say normally normally when carnage pops up that happens 
I, you know, I, I think you put it really well earlier when you said that it's more of a Spider-Man Venom story, you know, because that relationship could have very easily gone stale. And, but having the, the quote unquote offspring of Venom and how he has to defend innocent lives because of this, you know, and, and they kind of joke about it. It's like, Oh, there's my dad or whatever. Yeah. You know, so it's, but it's also not, done that way right it's not a father-son battle right no at least at least in this story I'm, I'm sure other stories have done it maybe i haven't read those i would imagine that somebody picked up on that thread um now yeah him and carnage have fought too many times yeah and they always will and they always will it but but it's uh it's interesting to just that's that's not what's interesting about him right is that it's it's not interesting that he's a uh you know, an offspring of Venom. It's interesting because he's Cletus Cassidy, he's a psychopath, and this, you know, insanely powerful being attaches itself to him. And that's far more interesting. But then again, the story isn't good because Spider-Man's chasing an unstoppable killer. It's interesting because he has to team up with an unstoppable killer to beat another unstoppable killer. And that's and, and that's way better storytelling. And David Michelini, you know, Mark Bagley, you know, they, I mean, they just, they effing nailed it, right? <laughs> Always. Uh, you know, Nico, this has been an absolute blast. I was legendary. I've been so excited to uh, have this conversation with you to the point where I read the story a couple of weeks ago. I was so excited to talk to you, and I was like, "Well, we're not talking for a couple of weeks, but I gotta reread it." You know, started early, baby. <laughs> you gotta pregame uh, the pregame. You know, I I'm all about it. If you ever see me on these zooms, I am always drinking a beer, even if it's it. like you know 10 a.m. Uh, love yeah, it. You gotta loosen up, man. Never. Uh, I had to pass on it tonight, but don't you worry. I I'm going to for maximum, and I have a couple reasons why that you'll find out when we do that. <laughs> I'm I I for maximum. I have I have the physical book of that. Yeah, and I can't wait to reread it because I'm just it. What a great cover that has, right? It's a it's a wild one too. It's yeah. uh it's definitely one of those '90s crossovers that they uh, have a ball. Or is it? Or did it start coming out in 2000s? It might be 2000. Yeah, no, it was, I think it was the '90s. Yeah, '90s. I was. Yeah, probably. I was. Four, three, four. When this probably came out, so <laughs> and your father was like, "Son, read these. Son, <laughs> read the story about the bloodthirsty carnage." <laughs> I don't know why we made him sound like he's from the '30s. Son, why don't you read these stories about carnage and venom? They're two, they're two formidable foes of that Spider-Man. Walker, are you liking those kind of books? Well, these are his two scary villains, and in this story, he puts together a team like the Avengers, but symbiote. <laughs> we both did that. Son, read the. He's gonna be listening to this going. I couldn't sound more different than that. <laughs> uh, oh my god! The- <laughs> He's got to go trade with the rail. He's got to go trade railroad bonds or something at this point. Uh. <laughs> oh my god! Was- Look, see, uh, Spider-Man. You see, uh, I just I want to just cut that together and make please, the, the, please the make this op- like the promo. That'll be the um, new opening to the show. Just make it the promo of this show. Yeah, I read about comics, hey. <laughs> um. Okay, what's he getting? Um, uh, no, I'm seeing if the maximum was in the right place, but it uh, is. I also have a shirt of Amazing 363. I don't know. If there it is. 
There yeah. it is. No I, one can see it but you, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, my shirt is Amazing Spider or Ultimate Spider Man. So, oh, that's a sexy one. I love that one. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool one, man. My um, your episode with Carlos came out today, right? Yes. Well, when we're recording, this. recording, yeah. yeah, yeah. When this comes out, that won't be a th- that'll be a while ago, but yes, okay. yes. <laughs> um, you talk no, about my- the death. Yes, death, oh, of, death of Ultimate Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah, beautiful. Um, my beautiful. my baby or my I want to say that the mother of my child and uh, her fiance. I, you know, when I go to their house to pick up my daughter, they have a Spider-Man. Uh, it's it's a Bagley Ultimate Spider-Man drawing, like it's a magnet on their fridge, nice. and I was like, oh, I love that image. It's from yeah, I, I think number one fifty-eight, and she was like, okay, and I was like. I feel like I should have that. It's not cool that you have that. And I host a Spider-Man podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I, feel like so, I should have that. So you I, have it now. I have not stolen it as of this recording yet. It'll happen. But don't you worry. It's coming. Um, it, but, it's but, cool. but anyway, uh, Nico, this has been an absolute blast. Uh, so if people are, uh, you know, throwing their, you know, uh, symbiote battle axes and tendrils around where can they find you i love it uh, and i real quick i just want to say i always love doing shows with you because we just have great conversations i've said this to you every single time it your show is so conversational based which i like and it's so refreshing and a place for a good listen to um so as always we start talking about random stuff on tangents but i love it because it's all worth it and it all ties back to what we were talking about in the first place thank you thank beautiful you. job as always and beautiful job with this whole show uh if you want to hear more of me God knows why. Uh, you uh, y'all should me. listen to this guy. <laughs> Stop it. You should follow me uh, everywhere at Nico Caruso. That's at N I K K O C A R U S O. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. I do film reviews on TikTok. The name's different. It's at Nico Knows Film. And um, my first podcast that allowed me to meet Mr. Hodges here mm. uh, with my father and Zeddy, who we father is now from the 30s or the 40s or whenever that time period was um you look see for the vision 1999 podcast we talk about everything you know marvel dc star wars all the shows we're also covering uh house of dragon and the rings of power if you watch those which Ooh. those came out today after or not the, the no those are tomorrow my god it's wednesday i'm i just moved so i'm all thrown off um <laughs> i also have a spider-man show that is we're still finding out a more consistent schedule for it, but there is, I think, 12, 13 episodes in the can, the Italian Spider-Man Coalition. It's at Italians for the number four Spidey on Twitter that I do with my father as well and our good friend of us both. Um, also a contributor to Batman on film, Mr. Peter Vera as well, who has a whole bunch of shows. Um, and then if you also like me doing Spider-Man once a month, I'm on the Comic Binge on YouTube. So youtube.com slash the comic binge with Paul Herman and Chris Cloud. We have a Spider-Man council um, once a month. Oh. We meet and talk about something comic book related, um, which is super great. We've done about four of them, five of them now. Last episode, we talked about our favorite anniversary issue. Spoiler alert. Um, I did amazing Spider-Man 300, but they made me pick a second one because everyone knew I was going to pick that. So they considered <laughs> it boring, not in a bad way, but they're like, we know what you're going to pick. So that I also talked about <laughs> um spectacular uh spider-man 200 which is Mm. one of the most important issues of spider-man ever and yet it is not talked about enough that it is and including there was an entire recent nick spencer run 
that was all built around said issue and time in Spider-Man comics. And I still feel like it's not talked about enough. So me and a couple other people on the panel also had that choice. We have a beautiful conversation about that issue. I believe you either will be talking about it or have talked about it. It hasn't aired yet. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about it with Zeddy. We'll be talking about it. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, Z- Zeddy uh, called it, and you know, and I'm, I'm going to see if he stole anything I said because he was watching the <laughs> YouTube show. So I don't know what I don't know what takes your mind, Zeddy. I'm watching you, brother. I'm just kidding, brother. I, I freaking love you. Um, and those are all my. Oh, I also do a Kiss podcast with Rob Myers called Right Between the Eyes. Um, if you like the rock band Kiss, that's like I'm not plugging as much because that's like. Just go follow that if you like Kiss. It's not in this space. So that's just a shameless plug of something else I do. Just go to my Twitter. It's everything I do is on there. DM me, talk to me. I will respond. I will talk to you. Um, yeah. All right. And if you all were paying attention after 20 minutes of Nico's. Uh, I was going to say, I have one of plugs. That's why I don't like doing I'm the, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the post-credit scene of this episode. <laughs> um, you can find me at Spider-Man Books on Twitter um you can you can email me at spidermanbookclub at gmail.com or no at, okay spidermanbookclub at gmail.com not at spiderman you get it you know how emails work anyway um and you know we're gonna you know despite the fact that this is a carnage podcast we're gonna end this with uh nope we're not gonna end it like stan lee would we're gonna end it like like carnage would with let there be carnage Strangers in the night. <laughs> <laughs>